Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are both very excited to be talking to you about a recent film, brand new film, Don't Worry Darling. All of you wives, we men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys, at least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! No. Jack. It's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. I need you to listen to me. They're lying about everything. We are not going backwards. We're pushing forward. Everyone is acting like I'm crazy. And I'm not crazy. Our life together. We could lose this. And I don't want to be here anymore. Yes. So you have a little change of pace on the synopsis. Yeah, I thought we would just kind of so just to let everybody know up front, we I don't know that you can talk about this movie without spoiling it. So we're going to go through kind of the the main beats of the plot and talk about, you know, the ending and everything. So if you have not seen this and do not want it to be spoiled, um, it's available on HBO Max if you have HBO Max or you can rent it elsewhere. So, you know, this is this movie is out there that, you know, can be seen. But uh, so, yeah, so it is. Uh, it stars um, Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine, some other people. is directed by Olivia Wilde. And the and anytime you want to interrupt, and as far as what I'm saying about the plot, just just you know, go ahead. So it's the 1950s. Harry Styles and Florence Pugh are a couple. 
they live in this beautiful uh kind of palm spring palm springs is where they shot this but this sort of palm springs mid-century modern home and they you know have a nice car and he seemingly has a nice job which we don't know about what the job is we'll get into that in a bit and uh so the women are all housewives and they just they go to the pool and they drink all day and they go and shop and then the men go and we're told that what they're doing is is very important i guess and everyone has to it's a planned community planned by chris pine uh maybe we can talk in a bit about who exactly he's supposed to be i was sort of unsure about that but they're told basically they have to stay there but it's everything they want or need is there essentially and they're surrounded by desert and if they go out in the desert they can't do that because it's it's bad to go there and it's dangerous and one day florence Pugh is out on a little they have like a little trolley thing that takes them around and she sees a plane crashing and so she yells to the guy driving the uh the the vehicle oh, okay you know, go ahead because even before that oh she starts having memories of she has a friend that is sort of uh, yeah and she's sort of freaking out and they're trying to get her to take pills and she's not playing ball and she says to florence Pugh at one point but they know that she has gone outside of the perimeter. She's gone into the forbidden zone. And uh, and has never really been the same since. And so the, the sort of creepiness begins with this. We get this wonderful, idyllic 50s, affluent, fun, you know, sort of dream community in this bubble where the husbands go and do some top secret mysterious work that's supposed to be changing the world and and then the first crack in that veneer we see is this one member of the community who is not Florence Pugh it's a friend of Florence Pugh's who you know is acting paranoid and saying this all is not what it seems so eventually we find Florence Pugh taking this little trolley that drives them around and so she she sees a plane flying overhead and seemingly crashing we never actually see wreckage or anything of the plane but she yells for the guy to stop and he doesn't he says i can't go out there and she jumps out of the of the vehicle and runs out into the desert and walks for a long time and eventually goes up on this hill and there's this strange uh kind of structure up there and she goes up and touches the glass on it and then she passes out or something and then winds up back in her home and tells uh, Harry Styles, and you know he thinks she's. He says that she's just imagining it or whatever. They tell that they have a doctor come, and you know there's some other things where she's having memory issues. She keeps seeing these images of sort of like a 1940s musical dancing number with these women's women's legs, uh, you know. And uh, anyway, so she tells the doctor, you know, the doctor says she's exhausted. And um, so we eventually, I don't know how much of this you want to skip, but eventually she says that they're being controlled and they have this dinner party where Chris Pine comes, who's the leader of all this. Right. And she yeah. calls him out on it. Actually slow down just a little bit. Okay, sure. I, I, I want to keep painting this world, right? So it's out okay. in the 
the desert and we see overhead shots of it and it's it's like a snail shell it's as if you started in the middle and then sort of wound a big you know you know yard sized track outwards and the houses are arranged from the center out in this sort of concentric and then you can see as new houses are added they just keep extending the green patch in the desert and they refer to this place that she goes and puts her hands in the glass as headquarters. Yes. You're not supposed to go to headquarters, right? But she doesn't see anybody there, and, and it's a reflective glass window, so we don't see into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are other sort of sort of I, I want to just use the language of the matrix there's other sort of glitches in the matrix like she's making dinner one night and she cracks an egg and it's just an empty shell and so mm-hmm. she's scratch, cracking each of these eggs in the whole carton and they're just completely hollow eggshells right and so so there is some gesture towards well, maybe this woman is kind of going insane. I mean, I think yeah. he's pretty clearly painting that something nefarious is going on. And right. Pine is a very menacing character. He's charming and handsome and everybody idolizes him. But he he sort of over the radios that are in every house, he sort of delivers a sermon to these housewives who are their men all get in the car at the same time and they all drive off down the road. And the women are are there all day and they go back inside to clean the house and, you know, go shopping and stuff for the day. But when they go back in the house, they, they're treated to this sort of radio message. It's a sermon, really, by right by uh, Chris Pine's character. And it's very vague and it's very cult-like. It's like, you know, um, what are some of the things he says? It's like, you know, you, you, you remember it's all for the greater good and... Mm-hmm. The sacrifices you're making here, you know, none of the things we do, we men do, would be possible without the sacrifices you're making. You know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. all sort of this vague double speak, you know, comply, toe the line, you're doing great, keep doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of weird being having to stay here all the time, but the work we're doing is very important. It's very dangerous to go out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a kind of uh, upper tier of guys. In the, in the picture behind me, you see him wearing a golden ring. It's like the senior director's board or something gets the, yes. you know, special membership rings and there's a party in which harry styles is awarded he's kind of you know elevated into this inner circle and he's very excited but it's a weird scene right it's weird but and we can talk you know later about the meaning of that but i thought it was it was very strange to me that he puts it on his ring finger almost like they're you know almost like they're being married which i thought was I assume that was intentional that they put it on, you know, in terms of the filmmaking that they put it on that finger because it was just like, that's really weird. And then he does this sort of crazy dance that <laughs> they have a big band and they have a a woman who like does a burlesque dance and ends mm-hmm. up in a big, a giant uh, martini glass. 
And it's very 50s and it's very boys club. Like it's very male centric. Right. Um, but on the other hand, it is gorgeous and everybody, it seems very affluent. Like everybody has everything they need. And the only thing that's really, you know, the, the hard rule is you can't leave mm-hmm. and go out. You can't go to headquarters. You can't go outside of the boundary. Right. Cause it's dangerous. Yeah. And from that grow things like you can't ask too many questions and you can't talk about, you know, don't, don't, don't worry, darling. Shh, 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 just, you know, can't talk about what their job is. Beautiful dress. I got you, you know, that kind yeah. of, um, anyway, it does Florence Pugh's character who was the lead becomes more and more convinced that there's something truly, Oh, so her friend who she, ultimately has a breakdown and she witnesses her cut her own throat. Mm-hmm. It's a really upsetting scene. Yeah. Uh, she witnesses her friend basically kill herself. as She's standing up on the roof of their house and they're, they're sort of the men that kind of main maintenance guys. And they're all around these red, like fifties, like auto mechanic, full body jumpsuits, but they're very dapper and bright red. And mm-hmm. they kind of run out and they pick up the body and carry her off and put her in the van. And later the word is like, oh, she's fine. You know, she had an accident. And she's like, she didn't have an accident. You know, I know what I saw. And the tension ratchets up and ratchets up. And so so Florence Pugh, by the time we're talking about this dinner party, is absolutely convinced that things are, that this, this is a, a big uh, manipulation and mm-hmm. that it's a dangerous manipulation because somebody died and it's being covered up and she's going to get to the bottom of it. Now, I don't think she knows at that point. I don't think she no. knows the answers. I think she just knows that Chris Pine is at the center of it. And she plans to call him out at this dinner party. So she then, she does while they're having dinner, she starts talking about that. Uh, she starts asking questions of the other women um, or the other couples. And she says, you know, so-and-so, where are you from? And she said, Philadelphia. And and, she, and another one says, I'm from Philadelphia. And she's like, yeah, everyone's from Philadelphia or Chicago or Baltimore. And then she says, so-and-so, how in your, how did you and your husband meet? And she said, I was on the bus or the train or whatever. And I, I dropped my ticket and he picked it up. And she says, yeah. And she said, the same thing happened to so-and-so. And this person, you know, isn't that a coincidence? And so then that's when she's saying that he's, you know, that these backstories have been created for them. And, you know, they've created memories for them, basically. Right. And so then the the dinner party ends and Harry Styles says that, you well, know, she's Chris embarrassed Pine him. Handles it. Chris Pine handles it in such a way that everyone leaves and yeah. she looks insane. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he manipulates his way out of that and everybody takes his side. And Florence Pugh looks like. She's bonkers. Right. And so Harry Styles says says to her, he says, I expected so much more from you. So we've had confirmation. Florence, Florence's character has had confirmation from Chris Pine's character directly saying, Mm -hmm. what do you think you're doing here? You know, what are you, what's your. Right. What's your game? What are you trying to pull? But he also says to her that. I expected so much more from you. What a disappointment, you know? Yeah, he's, he says that he likes having someone to challenge him and that it's something about, you know, 
all great men have had a woman challenge them or some a person challenge them or whatever, you know, something like that. So then after the guests have all left, you know, Harry Styles says that um, she's embarrassed him, you know, you know, ruined everything for him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and she says, no, that she loves him and that they need to get, get out of there. And she begs him for them to leave. And he says, OK. And, you know, she packs up some things and they go out to their car and he doesn't start the car. And then the guys in the red outfits come and drag her out. And and Harry Styles is distraught about it, you know, and right. he's Let's crying. Let's talk about and, this scene for a minute because I thought this was a, this movie was a very handsome, like a very beautifully shot um, I, I don't, I, the only thing I've actually seen Florence Pugh in so far was Black Widow, where she played Scarlett Johansson's mm -hmm. sister. I thought she stole that movie, frankly. Mm -hmm. I know she was in Midsommar, but I haven't yeah. seen that. And I know I've seen, but I haven't seen Black Widow. And then, and that she's done some, you know, classical Shakespeare stuff. But so this is really the first Florence Pugh thing where I've seen her carry a, a project and. I get why everybody's gaga over this actress. She is absolutely riveting. I mean, she's beautiful, but she is so talented on screen. It was just amazing. And then I thought, you know, so now we got Harry Styles, who's a, he's a pop singer. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people want to try and do more. They want to try different lanes. They're like, well, I, but I also act, but I also direct, but I rap and I like whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that goes down smoother than other times. So I was not sure. I was kind of curious to see what kind of an actor Harry Styles was. And my wife said that he hasn't gotten great reviews. But in that scene, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I thought the same. People have kind of panned him. And uh, yeah, he was great in that scene. And there's another scene later where he's yelling at her that I thought he was good. Overall, I don't feel like he's given a lot to do in this. You know, in the other scenes, I was watching it and I was thinking, you know, people, why are, why are people bashing this performance? And and up until that point, I just felt like it's just fine. You know, he's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But you're right. I, in those two scenes, which I think are, are well written and they're clear. Mm-hmm. He really delivers emotionally. I mean, she does the whole movie. But so these guys are dragging. She sees them coming and she's like, baby, we got to go. We got to go start the car. Right. And he doesn't. And and all he says is, I'm sorry, over and over. Mm -hmm. But her dialogue goes from. We got to get no, 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 no. And then we see the penny drop. He says, I'm sorry. And we see the penny drop with her that he called them. And her face just crumples and she says, no, no, wait, not like this. You know, and then she goes through, I'm sorry, I'll be better, I'll be better. You know, oh, mm -hmm. they're hurting me, you know, oh, I'll help, you know, and, and he's crying and clutching the steering wheel till his knuckles are white. And he's just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's crying and mm -hmm. uh, we hear her sort of screaming as they drag and he just stays in the car and has a complete meltdown. Um. I went back and watched that scene three times because I was like, mm. damn, look at that. That scene is crazy. And the scene, I think you're right that the bookend of it is the other one where there's a confrontation that we'll get to that happens later on where once we now by that 
by the time we revisit the two of them talking about it, we know more about what's gone down. And so did right. she. Yeah. And whereas in this first one, I don't think she has a clear picture. She just knows for sure that Chris Pine is bad news. And she's trying to convince him, look, I'm not crazy. I, I love you. I want to be together with you. We just can't be here. Right. Like, I know you love it. I know you're excited by this, but I we can't be here. We'll go do something else. You know, we'll make it work. So they drag her away. And we see them like wheeling her on a gurney and they put like the big electrical things. And they they zap her brain. Mm -hmm. and, and that's upsetting, too. No, you, I've been talking. That's that's always upsetting in movies. Anytime they do that, you know, because it's always. And I think we, you know, people know the the history of that of shock therapy, like that, how terrible it was, and I guess still is, because I I think they they still do it to people at times. But so then I don't know if it's in that I I forget if it's in that moment or if it's after she comes back. I don't remember. Is that when we get the reveal of yes, kind of what's really is happening? So. They so we then see we then see a basically the hospital scene goes from 1950s to present day, and then Florence Pugh walks out in scrubs, and you're like, okay, this is this is modern day, and then she goes back to an apartment where she lives with Harry Styles, and he has glasses and long stringy hair, and you know doesn't look dashing and handsome, you know, like his 1950s version. And basically what we find out is that um, he has been watching these videos of, of uh, Chris Pine and Chris Pine. And we'll, we'll get into this after the, we can talk about this after the synopsis, but um, Olivia Wilde has said that she based this character on Jordan Peterson. Um, and uh, so, you know, so we can get into some stuff about, I guess, you know, the ramifications or, or whatever of that. So basically what has happened is this is a, is a virtual world that they're in. They're not actually living in this 1950s community. And he has, we don't get too much back information on it, but he has signed up for this, I guess. And he has forced her into it. She, th this is against her will. Yeah. So I don't know if they, drugged her or I, I was a little unclear on that little thing like the the, the mechanism that he puts over her eyes a, little, a la clockwork orange well there's this sort of red you know light it's like beaming light input into her eye right and i want to we can talk about it now or we can put a pin in it to come back to it but yeah, let's let's put a pin in it. And this this part of how it the mechanics of how this all works was very fuzzy. Yeah. Um, and I even went back the the following day and I watched the whole end of it again to see if I could okay. get. One. And then I read some articles about it, and articles were like, "Here's what how we interpreted that," and I was like, "What?" I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I, I tried to purposely stay away from that stuff because I thought maybe we could talk about it and see if you know. Uh, you know, if I, I wondered, you know, like if my interpretation was correct or what, and and you know, we can get into it. But so then, she, um, so then she is back. So then they're back in the the fifties world, and she she now his her memories are returning to her, and um, 
Harry Styles says, you know, she shows back up and they're like, oh, welcome home. And she's like, I feel much better. And she's basically the person we met at the beginning of the movie. Right. And now we know, oh, her boyfriend, right, has hijacked her in some way. Right. And is brain. I, I just thought, oh, it's her, you know, but she's just brainwashed. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, but then in very short order. Because she's making he's making dinner or something and he's handed to hand her a drink. And, and so she he's like, you relax, I'll I'll get dinner ready or something. And he's humming this tune that it what we have discovered or, what, or maybe we discover in this moment via flashback is when he first hijacked her and put this rig on her head to sort of zap her mind. It took a while, like overnight or whatever. Mm -hmm. He sat by the bedside holding her hand, humming this tune. So it's a tune he kind of unthinkingly, that's the kind of what he hums when he's humming to himself. And that snaps her out of it completely. So they, right. she sort of figured it out. They zapped her back under. And then in this song, he's sort of hummed this song and it's haunted her in the back of the mind. But in this moment... She just remembers everything and she's standing there in the living room. And that's when they have this second scene, this confrontation of like, how dare you? <laughs> you know, what have you done? And uh, in that scene, uh, he, he grabs her in a hug. Like, like I can't, you can't leave me. I can't let you go. You know, it doesn't, it's a little confusing because it's not like he's attacking her, but he it is an expression. So he's got his arms, his face is sort of buried in her midriff and his arms are wrapped around her body, hugging this her. This is like, like to hold her to not let her go. But he's also, he's hugging her super tightly and it tight enough that it looks like it's sort of hurting her. It does definitely read as desperate and controlling and, you know, not going to let you go. And... So she's, this is sort of escalating as he squeezes her tight, tighter and tighter. And she's saying, stop, let me go, let me go. And she fumbles around and grabs one of these heavy highball glasses that they drink out through it. And she smashes him in the head with it and it kills him. Mm -hmm. So then her friend played by. Let, let's back up for just one second. Because right, right before this, when he grabs her and everything, he tells her why he's done this. He says, I don't know if he said your life was terrible or our, our life was terrible or whatever. Yeah, he said, all you did was work. Yeah, you hate, we, hated your life. And she said, it was my life, right? We we And there was a scene earlier when we see the flashback of their, you know, the present day life. And she's worked 30 hours and she comes home and he tries to, I think he says dance for me or something like that. But, you know, he's trying to you know, have sex with her or whatever. And she says, you know, I'm too tired. I just did all this work and everything. So, you know, to him, it wasn't, you, you guess, we don't see a lot of this, but it was a terrible life because she just worked all the time. And he had lost seemingly they didn't, he was out of work and, and, you know, had his hair was grown out and he had stubble and he was just sitting around on the internet and TV all day. And she would go and work and they lived in this kind of small, dark apartment in some inner city. And, you know, and so she walks in the door and that's sort of what he's been waiting for all day. I mean, you get the sense that she is exhausted and pushing herself 
uh, uh, you know, and that's plausible. She's a surgeon. Yeah. Um, but also that their relationship is kind of on the rocks. I mean, it feels very strained. She says, I'm tired, not tonight, you know, but there's mm-hmm. a shortness to it that, yeah, I think it certainly reads in his face that he reads as sort of disgust and impatience and like, uh, you know, this isn't working for anymore, kind of. And it's at that point when we see him like watching some of these internet videos of like basically Chris Pine sermonizing about how the world's supposed to be. Right. And we very much see a contrast with the colors and everything and because t- everything in this, and there's even a r- scene where it's rainy, you know, and it's everything's kind of gray and drab and depressing looking and very much a contrast to this bright, perfect, perfect world of the uh, of the 1950s. So so then we're at the point where, as you said, he she hits him with the glass and he it kills him. And then the neighbor, who is Olivia Wilde, comes over then. Comes in and sort of sees him bleeding. And she's got blood all over her her white dress. And uh, Olivia Wilde says, what have, what have you done? You know, you, you have to get out of here. You have to get out of here and start saying... They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. Um, you know, when a, when a guy dies, he's, he dies in the real world. You know, they can't put him back in. You know, they're going to they're gonna kill your real body. Mm-hmm. stuff like that that i found super confusing because apparently she's still lying in a bed somewhere like in the matrix with this eye thing but somehow somehow the guys kind of come and go like when they leave in the morning they're actually going out to the real world to so i took yeah i was unsure about that because he and that's another thing that he he says you're here all day and you get to enjoy all of this you do this great world and he said I have to go and work to pay for all of this. And, you know, it's like, I would much rather be here all day. So I, I assume that what, what that is, is, you know, is when the men are all driving off into the desert, they're actually unplugging and they're going to their real lives, working presumably crummy jobs uh, where they're unfulfilled, I guess. I mean, I'm, I might be reading too much into that, but at least, at least him, um, you know, he doesn't enjoy, uh, he wants to be in the, the matrix, you know, all the time. Right. Um, and, and he thinks it's great that she's able to, you know, she's never leaving it. She's just continually plugged in was the way I, I took it. And apparently when, cause so she, things get kind of crazy and they start coming after her. And so she does run and there's a car chase and she goes back to headquarters up at the top of the spiraling mountain. And the red outfit guys are chasing her. Yeah. As before, she kind of puts her hands on the glass and then there's a sort of a, I guess a wake up moment or like that happened before. And that's kind of where it ends. Well, at the very end we have Harry, she's standing there and Harry styles like comes up and puts his arms around her. Um, And then, but then he disappears yeah. And then that's basically the end. And we're just left wondering. And and to me, I mean, I, I suppose that's how the mechanics of this world work. I thought it was just more elegant if if she was just brainwashed. I mean, that was a 1950s thing from Manchurian Candidate, to, uh, you know, that I just thought, well, why do we need a matrix Right. I mean, I thought when I first saw those eye things, I thought that's how they 
brain that they zap you to kind of clean the slate and then they kind of program you with this eye input mm -hmm. that's how they're implanting these memories in you and whenever they wake up like i didn't why is there a why is this world not real why this guy could have just bought this stuff out in the desert and like why does this have to be a virtual reality i that's what yeah. i understand my big questions were one you know, they they kind of allude to the fact that so Olivia Wilde says to Florence Pugh that she did this willingly. But I got the idea that the rest of the women, it was all similar scenarios to Harry Styles, where it was like the, the right. men were the ones who decided to do it. And they right. They forced the women to do it. And that was the first question that I had is. Would it not be hard to find a hundred people or whatever who would just willingly do this? Why, you know what I mean? Men and women, there would certainly be couples who would, uh, I mean, there are people right now who, who, uh, have their homes. I don't know if you've seen any of these people online, but they, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people do this for all eras, but they have their homes decorated mid century modern and they wear, the clothes of that time and, you know, and they're basically, I don't know if the women are housewives or if they work, but they're basically living that life. So I would, I would think you, would, you could find people who would just willingly do this and say, okay, well, you know, we'll pay you $5,000 a month or whatever to live in this either real or virtual community. So I didn't really understand the need to force people into this and you know, zap their memories and everything. That was the first thing. And then the other thing was, what was Chris Pine's motivation? Was it, is he just a cult leader? Um, and, or what, you know, we, we, we know from what Harry Styles paid or said that, you know, it, it cost money to do this. So, so Chris Pine was making money from it, but, uh, in terms of the, the Jordan Peterson comparison that she said, you know, she based him this, uh, Chris it, Pine character on Jordan Peterson. Is he the Canadian? He's side? the Canadian, like pseudo intellectual guy who, you know, he goes on Joe Rogan show and everything. And his shtick is kind of, you know, he's very anti-trans and it's, you know, men are, I guess he's like a men's rights activist where it's like, you know, we're losing our masculinity and men aren't men anymore and all, and all this kind of stuff. And they, you know, I didn't feel like they touched on that a whole lot in the movie, other than like you said, it's just kind of a boys club, but there's not anything really of him saying we gotta be men. You, you know what I mean? So I didn't really get his motivation. I like Chris Pine and I think he does a fine job. Like he's comfortable on screen, but I, I, the thought crossed my mind that he might be a little miscast in this. He, there were a few times where I felt like I was watching Captain Kirk <laughs> a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. like when he does confidence, there is almost that it's the same way that he does it with Kirk. He just mm -hmm. projects. But it, he's also, he's really good looking. And I actually sort of feel like that's a misfit somehow for this head 
guy. I, I, I missed, I wanted there to be a little more a quality of menace that was a little different. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge, it's not a huge. I think the rest of the cast is really good. They've got some, some great comic actors in this that are members of the, of, of the other, you know, community, male and female. And, um, you know, the, the other thing that we don't have to talk about if you don't want to, is there's a big sort of tabloid kerfluffle about. Oh, sure. Yeah. I wanted to get into that because this movie was so when this movie, when the trailers came out for this, I was pretty excited. I mean, this kind of quickly went to the top of my list of things that I wanted to see. I thought, you know, this looks really intriguing. And then it started coming out that that it was kind of a train wreck and there was all these weird things behind or friction behind the scenes. So the um, the first being uh, Harry Styles was not the original choice for this role. It was Shia LaBeouf. And um, there became kind of a, uh, a war of words between him and Olivia Wilde because I, I think they made it kind of sound like Florence, I get. I guess maybe he. They started to shoot scenes or something, and supposedly Florence Pugh didn't feel comfortable with him. That like you know he was dangerous or whatever. And then he had text messages and things like kind of proving or emails or whatever showing maybe that that wasn't true. But at any rate, so that was the first thing. And then apparently Florence Pugh and, and Olivia Wilde didn't get along, and she didn't do much. Olivia or not Olivia Wilde, but Florence Pugh didn't do much. Uh, publicity for this um and then also there was this weird thing where it was at can or con i'm never sure how to pronounce it and where they were in a it was the theater event. or something and it it appeared that harry styles spit on or spat on chris pine but it was never clear if it, he really did or if it was a joke or what happened there no, but it um, seemed like there was a lot of tension in the cast. And I, I yeah. Wild at the time was married to uh, Jason Sudeikis. Mm -hmm. the, the rumor mills. All of this is rumor, of course. I don't have any inside knowledge. No, no, this is going from what was, you know, being this said. Around. I mean, I, it, it is pretty clear that it's, it seems like she had an affair with um, Harry, Harry Styles. It'll be a while. And uh, that, that, that was going on on set. And I think that some of the rumors say that the friction between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde had to do with um, her Florence Pugh not approving of that. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? And then the film came out and people were it was being panned and people were saying it was terrible. And and it I didn't think it was terrible. No, no, I didn't either. Um, it. Really, it just and I I like ambiguous films and uh, and, you know, and all of that. But so, it just felt like there were it needed another pass on the script, I think, because there were like I say, I didn't understand the motivation for uh, for Chris Pine exactly. And then when you get to the end and this part, I it seemed kind of laughable to me if you're in a virtual world why are you being chased by these security guard guys? Why can they not just unplug her from the thing? You know? I mean, I just made that sense. was silly. You just brainwashed. 
right? That's a trope in movies that it doesn't need more explaining than that. We get the head zap and the the you know dilithium crystal, the eye device that is like programming. And so she's just brainwashed. Is her and all this like they put you back in your real body and the real world versus this world? I'm like, why can't this be a little remote? piece of the real world where they're just brainwashing the women and keeping them prisoner basically yeah it's and I, enough, right you don't need to add a matrix layer to it and all of the secrecy with their jobs throughout and this was before we got to the point where we found out that it was the matrix but i just kept thinking okay what is this crazy what is going to be so horrible that they're doing that they can't be told about it why can you not just say they they're defense contractors and they're protecting us from the communists or what that's what happens right now i mean there are all kinds of people it's not a secret that people are are defense contractors and whether anybody likes it or not we know that you know we're bombing people in other countries and everything but it's not like they have to tell a pretend story to those people who do those jobs you know what i mean i you know that was i don't know why you just hey we're saving you know the men are going out to save you from the russians you know yeah i mean i think setting it in that 50 style is a commentary about patriarchy and make america great again or a better time right yeah but it also comes preloaded with all of those great excuses of to not don't worry darling don't think about it we're fighting communism you know we're keeping american ideals alive i can't tell you for your own protection you know i think definitely you know olivia wilde and she didn't write the screenplay somebody else did so i don't know if this was a you know a story idea that she came up with but just from the little bit that i've read you know about the stuff about jordan peterson you know she seems to be upset about him you know as a person you know being out there who has some influence and it definitely you know, the idea I think was supposed to be, uh, you know, Harry Styles was radicalized by this guy, you know, watching his videos. So I think it was a statement on, you know, a little bit of a statement on that, that how dangerous this can be, that particularly young men are being uh, radicalized by these people online. And then I guess maybe that there would be some that would have particularly men, I guess, that would have a longing to go back to this time where, you know, the men were the men and the women stayed home and took care of the kids and everything. I mean, I, I guess it's trying to make a statement about that, but it's pretty and muddled of you and they've got dinner ready. And basically all you do all night is drink and eat dinner together and have sex all night. And yeah, parties on the weekend, wild cocktail parties, and it's just fun, fun, fun. And there's no responsibility for you at home. The wife is in charge of the kids and keeping the house clean. And she's where she's supposed to be when she's supposed to be there. You know, there's a number of scenes where he comes home and she literally greets him at the door, holding a drink to hand him a drink. Like he opens the door and there she is holding a cocktail that she hands him as he walks in. And Right. So it's 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 very, you know, Ward and June Cleaver 50s. Um, honey, I'm home. <laughs> I guess one of the questions that I had about that is, do you think that and, you know, so. You know, we didn't really grow up with that. I mean, I definitely, you know, from standpoint of our lives now, it's not like that. But even my parents 
life was not like that. You know, my, my parents were both teachers, so they both were, you know, outside of the home and everything. But I would say most people of our generation, uh, it wasn't the 1950s, you know, the mom is just home all day taking care of the kids, you know, but my mom had a job too, but yeah, she, she also made dinner and made me lunch for school every day. So she's sure double duty, but she also had a full-time job, but we're, we're children of the seventies. Yeah. But the thing I kind of wondered about the film was it, they certainly don't, you know, and we only get a 30 second glimpse of this or whatever, but they, they don't present her job as being enjoyable, but she says, I love my job. And I wonder, you know, it comes down to personal choice. If somebody, if that's the life that they want to have, if they want to be a surgeon or whatever and work 30 hour shifts and they're happy with that, that's great. But if a woman wants to be if if a woman doesn't want to work, if she wants to be a housewife, is that a bad thing? You know what I mean? I'm not sure what the film is actually saying. Is it's you know now obviously the fact of taking somebody's free will away I don't is terrible. Saying that, um, I think the film is encapsulated in that exchange where he says you hated your life, and she says it was my life. Like right. what you did was you took choice away from me, and you made you put me in this dollhouse of your design against my knowledge and against my will you hijacked my life mm -hmm. you know because you decided i'd be happier not knowing that you were controlling the setting and i don't it doesn't it it didn't read to me like um like a diatribe against stay-at-home partners mm -hmm. um it, um, I mean, it's certainly, it's like, okay, so cooking and cleaning, that's what she does. But it didn't particularly make that seem overly onerous or, you know, it made it seem like, well, there's sort of a, there was a sort of a sense of an eye roll at like, well, this is what's expected of the women. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't paint the work as beneath you know what i mean it, it doesn't paint the work as bad like cleaning the house is not portrayed as you know terrible work it's necessary work right you know what i mean or raising the kids it doesn't talk down at the task it it right takes aim at the expectation and in particular the fact that the women do not have a choice yeah in in living this life Right. And brainwashed to be mindlessly happy with it. <laughs> yeah, because they sit they just sit around the pool and drink and you know they and shop. They, they shop. go and shop and um yeah. So um I know there were other uh what other questions did, were there other things that you weren't clear about? I mean, I think I the visual stuff she did, there's sort of like a drop of red ink in, looks like in, there's a black screen and a white circle and a drop of blood like red dye goes into it and it sort of dilates and then it's an iris that's fading mm -hmm. and then it's a, a ring of like almost, you know, 
like dancing girls whose legs are kicking so that the, the striations of the iris turn become the kicking legs of a circle of women lying on their backs doing a dance routine and I thought that was visually interesting. I yeah, it um, I wondered a little bit. I'm like, oh, is this supposed to be? Is that is that what they're sort of? They tie it together with the it being beamed into her eyes, like it's a hypnotic. That's part of the like, and you hear Chris Pine's voice. Yeah. Um, I wondered how necessary tying those images little things mostly i wanted to talk about the casting of chris pine because again i think he did fine but he was not the most interesting thing in this movie to me i think that florence Pugh stole this film and i think olivia yeah. performance was good too and i think harry styles performance was a terrific surprise especially in those two key scenes um i thought it was gorgeously shot I thought the mood throughout, it's a little bit of a slow burn for the first half, but when it starts to take off, man, it takes off. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And I thought the ending was a little unsatisfying. Um, yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, I'm just looking at the time. Uh, ultimately, I would recommend this film. Oh, and I wanted to touch on the drama because there's a lot of like what feels like junior high school gossip about what happened on junior high gossip yeah is really a way to it was and new and oh she was with him but she started in florence pew somebody i heard somebody was saying florence pew is upset because florence pew was attracted to harry styles and then olivia was so there was a love thing and i'm like wow this really sounds like a bunch of seventh graders you know exactly yeah it did feel and i was talking with somebody about it and they said you know do you think this could hurt Olivia Wilde's career as a director. And I said, I said, you know, I don't know from basically the, with the film doing poorly. And I said, I don't know from, I mean, she clearly from a technical standpoint is a good director. And I don't know if you, did you see her? Um, I forget what the title of it is, but let me look here. Uh, did you see book smart? Um, I would really recommend that. That's completely different from this, but it's about these two high school girls who are kind of nerds and they you want to stay on the Olivia Wilde director train? Yeah, yeah, we could do that. It's a really it's a really good film, but she directed it and it was it was very good um uh and um you know, she got a lot of acclaim for that. So, and this is technically very well done. So, you know, I think she would continue to get work from that standpoint. Maybe studios would say, eh, maybe she's not able to control a set very well. And, you know, do we want to risk that? I mean, I think um, the bottom line is probably more of a deciding factor than anything else. But if they say, look, this movie would have done better if there hadn't been all this baloney, you know, you know um you know seventh grade kind of drama going on on set then you know it's a it's a fickle business and it's but i think it's driven by the money that you make yeah relatively relatively i don't want to say new director but she hasn't got that many directorial credits obviously she has many acting credits but as a director you know if you're only two three even four films in and so you have a kind of a box office flop mm -hmm. 
that's, I mean, people look at the bottom line, you know, they look at the bottom line. Um, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, there were there, you had a, like a period of a few weeks there where it almost seemed like there was a daily news story about this, some kind of problem. And I almost got to the point where I was thinking, is it no news or not? No news is good news, but there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like, is this a hype machine that's being produced to, to, because everybody was talking about the movie. It, it obviously didn't translate into people wanting to go and see it, but you know, there were a couple of ways to look at it. Like, Oh, that's going to be a mess or, Oh, I need to see this movie to see what all the hype's about, you know, um, who knows weekend like that. I think that's a, that's a tactic for sure. It doesn't make it a better movie. Mm -hmm. What's funny about it is I actually really enjoyed the movie. I did too. Overall. Yeah. About some of it. I think there's, there was a, there's a sort of a pacing issue. It's sort of, you know, it's accelerates and then pulls back a little bit and there's just i don't know how you change that whether it's editing or you can't really edit that away and then i think the ending is a little confusing in an unsatisfying way yes but it's an enjoyable watch like i enjoyed watching the whole movie so i it don't never drags and it, it kind of keeps you guessing and i and i text and i will say i never almost never i'm not good at predicting twists or figuring out the mystery or because I because I tend to just get more wrapped up in what's going on and you know watching the interactions of the characters and everything rather than trying to guess but I texted you about 20 minutes in and I said this feels like 2022 people dressed up as 1950s people rather than 1950s characters and bless you so then in hindsight, I I don't know if if that's just how it played or if that was intentional. You know, if she was saying, okay, you are not actually the people in the 1950s. You are modern day people, you know, who are living in this 1950s world. And another thing that I that I didn't think about until what we actually got on recording, and I don't know if this was a uh was a, you know, if this was chosen. Uh, purposely or it just happened but they drink just everybody it's particularly the women are just drinking all all day long but there's no or very little smoking mm -hmm. which didn't really stand out to me in the in the you know watching the film but afterwards once we got on i thought you know this is a little and and may, was that a because these are people don't smoke as much as they did you know then or was it just they didn't want to have smoking you know in the film i, I don't i don't know but fifty um, setting like you go back and watch these shows from the fifties and just everybody would be smoking, you know, a cigarette, whether they're taking one out or lighting it or lighting it for somebody else, or passing it back and forth, crushing one out and pulling out another one. It's like cigarettes are constantly, constantly in people's hands and mouths. So I don't know if, if both of those things were a little bit of kind of clues early on that, Hey, this is not, you know, really what you may, um, you know, what it appears to be or whatever. I don't know. The other thing with Florence Pugh, I don't know if you, I was not aware of this until about a week ago that she's English. Yes. Um, I didn't know that. And I, I wonder why maybe he couldn't do the accent. I, I don't know, but I wonder why she was American, but he was English. Just... And then when we have the flash seamless but i i bet he just doesn't have a great american accent 
but I, 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 it would, it would probably have to be weird if they were both British. You're like, why the, what's the British couple doing? True. Here? Yeah. Yeah. But when you, it, when you think about it, you're like, well, yeah, they're two Brits and they're living in America, but it would have, it, it would have triggered some weird, like, why are they British? You know? True. Yeah. But when we had the modern day scenes, it, I, you know, I'd have to go back and watch again now, but it seemed to me like he had an American accent in, in those parts. So I kind of took it as his, you know, his, his avatar or whatever is, is English in the, you know, cause it's cooler to be English or whatever. I, I don't know, but it, but it seemed to me like when he was, you know, the greasy hair, uh, Harry styles that, that he did not have a, a British accent in those scenes. Um, maybe, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, I think this would be a different film with Shia LaBeouf in it. Um, it. People can say, you know, to a degree, people can say whatever they want about Shia LaBeouf, but I think he's a great actor. Um, but it. He is, you know, he, I, he's undeniably electrifying on screen. And I yeah. Know, his personal life. I know, I know he is a kind of a firebrand character that's been accused of many things. And uh, I'm not saying anything about that, but when you just watch his work on screen, he's tears a hole in the screen. He is so interesting to watch on screen. So if you had him in a lot of these scenes outside of these, this couple of Harry style scenes that are just understated, you know, he's just the husband there and, um, I, he, I don't know how that would play. Casting choice for the Chris Pine role. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you if you gave that to Shia LaBeouf, he's the he's the cult leader instead of Chris that would Pine. be interesting. That I would mean, be interesting. Take shave that beard and clean him up. But... And then the other question that I had, and and I guess it doesn't matter since it's a virtual world, but I kept wondering is. You know, was Chris Pine, take the virtual aspect of it, them just living in this community, was he the guy who built all of it? Or was he also the guy who owns this victory company where they're doing whatever? I was never sure about what that was supposed to be. If he owns the company and he built this town, if, if that's how it was pre you know, presented to them, the, were you thinking about that, watching it? Because I was just like, this is the you know, bigger iceberg that's a kind of an online Ponzi kind of, you know, cult thing. But this is this is where his inner circle is actually living the dream where they have their wives sort of enslaved mentally, mm -hmm. kept yeah. physically. And oh, we didn't talk about this, but, the, you know, so at the end, uh, Chris Pine's wife kills him. Yeah. Stabs him in the gut. So you're like, well. So she's also here for real. She's not in the like. You know I guess I mean? she knew what was. Yeah, they they weren't clear about. I think this works better as a sort of a truly Stepford Wives kind of a thing, where, um, where, you know, everybody is in on it, and Florence Pugh for whatever reason is she's the only one that because the brainwashing hasn't worked or whatever on her and she's the only one that has suspicions you know where you, they were never very clear about who knew what was happening and who didn't um 
So, and I wasn't sure with the wife of Chris Pine, she stabs him and she says, what did she say? Like, I'm in control now or something. Uh, yeah. And which I didn't really get it. So now she's going to um, flip the script and they're going to start brainwashing men and the women or anything. I mean, I don't know. This also made me think a lot of seconds that we watched yeah. a few months ago. There were some things, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, about, and I kind of wonder if there was any influence from, from that as well. I don't know. Yeah. Could have been. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I would say, yeah, check this one out. Um, yeah. If you're all wrapped up in the drama of it, I think that's actually going to get in the way of you just enjoying this little ride. It's not perfect, but looks great and there are some terrific scenes and florence Pugh is dynamite i mean th this is an actor that can carry a movie and make it look easy peasy It's really really now i'm like a fan now i want to see everything florence Pugh does and i i almost want to watch midsummer although i know it's really upsetting we could no i don't really want to watch it because i i basically know what happens in it and it sounds horrible <laughs> yeah we could do it horror movie supposed to be you know we could do it uh it's less of a horror story than what hereditary is by the same director um we could do that one sometime too i would watch it again um i i mean i think she is established enough i'm talking about florence Pugh that uh you know that this i'm sure hasn't hurt her career or anything and this certainly isn't the bomb that a lot of people had made this out to be. I mean, this is not, I, I can definitely see people watching this and getting into the end and just being like, what the hell? I, I don't you know, know what that ending was supposed to be. And, you know, and that's always going to happen with ambiguous, uh, yeah. ambiguous films, but this is certainly not, I didn't feel like a train wreck in any way. I agree. I agree, but we need to wrap it up. Um, okay. We're getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. Thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Um, like and subscribe. Leave us a comment, suggestion, point out something we missed. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, and uh, we're not sure, I guess, what we're going to do next time. But it might be another Olivia Wilde movie, Booksmart. Or it might be mid another Florence Pugh movie, Midsummer, or it might be a third movie that we haven't as decided yet. As yet, uh, as yet unknown. But um, yeah, I mean, is there any final button you want to put on this? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's an intriguing movie, and you know, if you like this kind of sci-fi uh, mystery thriller kind of a thing, it's it's not bad. It, I thought it was pretty good. I agree. I agree. And the the critiques I have at are mostly little things that I wish had been better slash more satisfying somehow. I, I got I thought this was a really easy watch and lots of stuff to recommend it. So I don't I don't know what people calling it a bomb. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it's not often that I like that I say I want a movie to be longer, but this this could have had a couple of extra scenes to flesh things out a bit more and still have some ambiguity to it, I think. Explain a little bit more how the world works a little 
and maybe a little more information about Chris Pine, I, I felt could have strengthened it. That character could have been dialed in. That's why when you said it was based on Jordan Peterson, I thought, well, that's an that's very specific. And I thought, if anything, the Chris Pine character was a little vague, like he was vaguely menacing and, you know, clearly in control, but it wasn't why and what's his angle on it. And and I don't think that's the actor. I think he's written very in a in a pretty two dimensional way. And it would have been interesting to get a little more under into the skull of that mastermind who's built this whole for sure. And if I had not read that, those comments from her, I wouldn't have said, like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be a Jordan Peterson kind of a guy. No, <laughs> I mean, he just seemed like any kind of a cult leader yeah. sort of figure. So I, mean, I agree. Yeah. All righty. Uh, so I guess if if uh, there's nothing else to add, uh, Chris and I will talk to you all next week.